a lot of those even watch Wednesday night. We were actually able to visit with some folks yesterday that watch uh, live stream virtually every Sunday. Uh, they live in another part of the state, uh, don't live in the area. And uh, just want to share with them, with you, what they had to say. That uh, He said, I'm not saying this because you're sitting here in my living room, but y'all's live stream is some of the best we've ever seen anywhere on any website done by any church. So Jonathan and Brad, thank you. Y'all do an amazing job back there. Much appreciated. Thank the Lord. God bless you for that. And uh, then I just, I've gotten several texts, got one this morning that uh, actually someone is here today uh, that has said, uh, we watch all of your stuff online, we look at all of your website stuff, and uh, so we appreciate that, and we're thankful for this amazing medium through which we can get Grace Church out to as many as we possibly can. One more thing to share with you this morning, uh, we're so happy to have uh, Sister Twyla Pace here this morning uh, and the folks that are with her and uh, this is the coolest story ever uh, Sister Pace is moving here uh, to the area has moved here from the Jackson Mississippi area and was I don't know she didn't know this but uh, she was transferring all of her insurance I guess car insurance and whatnot and was actually at the uh, insurance same insurance agent that Sister Murphy and I personally have used since we've lived here 25 years. And uh, uh, she said that she was Pentecostal and looking for a church. Sister Pace did. And uh, our insurance agent said, I know where you need to go. You need to go to Grace Church. I've known them people for a long, long time. And she's here this morning. You know, I appreciate church recommendations from fellow Pentecostals and whatnot, but when you get one from the business sector of your community, that takes it to a whole nother level. I'm pumped about that. Thank you, June. If you ever see this, thank you so very much. We appreciate it at State Forum. Let's give them some appreciation one more time. Thank the Lord. Uh, we will welcome all of our kids' church. We do this every year. We give them the month of February off. Our kids' church staff on Wednesday night, so you'll be joining us this coming Wednesday night. The rest of you uh, would love to see you Wednesday night. We'll be teaching the last uh, Grace Steps presentation, uh, Grace Steps 4, and then the following Wednesday we'll be jumping into some more material uh, that we've not taught here uh, before. So uh, you'll not want to miss this coming Wednesday night, and we will welcome our uh, kids' church staff and all of our kids' church people. Thank the Lord. God bless you. Let's turn to the word of the Lord. Romans chapter 13, verse 11, just one verse today. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. I want to speak to you for a little while this morning about the peril of a sleepy church. The peril of of a sleepy church. Before we pray and you sit, you sit down, um, this year at Grace Church has just exploded. The month of January has been phenomenal. Probably the greatest month of January we've had in our 25 year history here as pastor. Uh, our attendance has been amazing. Um, and 
probably, I'm going to guess off the top of my head, we've had six or eight people commit to Grace Church in the last month. Um, some of them moving in from out of town. Sister Pace is not the only one. Others have. And I'm pumped about that. I hope it's a, a trend that we'll see this entire year. If it goes on for another couple of months, we might have to do something about another service. I thought that'd be pretty cool. And uh, so uh, we want to we wake up this morning as a church and be very sharp. But if you're here this morning and you need to draw a little bit closer to Jesus, you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost, or you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the very first time, I want you to know you're at the right place at the right time. God is doing something sovereign here at Grace Church. It's beyond our reach and actually beyond our scope right now. But we want to be ready when God moves in the church. We want to be on top of our game. And everybody said amen. amen. Now is the time not to be playing and uh, to just gamble and, and just hope that everything goes well between you and God. So if you're here today and you need to draw closer to God, I'm reaching for you. And I'll do it to the very best of my ability. Before we pray, we have another lady here today. So Xavier brought a lady to church with him this morning. I think it's his wife. Uh, I think she's, she's been gone for six or eight months or something out in Arizona. And uh, we're glad to have Renita here today. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I hope I embarrassed her. That was the intent. So thank the Lord. On that note, let's pray. Father, we love you. We're thankful for your presence here today. We're so grateful for your blessing and the way you're moving so amazingly here at Grace Church, and I trust every church in the area is experiencing the same. Pray today that you would bless this message. I pray, God, that you would anoint the speaker. Help us to have hearts and ears to hear what thus saith the word. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to introduce you to somebody here today. Their name is Ron Wayne. Ron Wayne. Ron is usually just another gambler at the Nugget Hotel and Casino in Nevada, in Nevada. He goes in a couple of days a week to try his luck on the video poker machine. Wayne, who is now in his 80s, 84 to be exact, lives off of his Social Security and does a modest trade in collector's stamps and coins. The irony of being inside a casino is not lost on Ron Wayne. After all, if his short-lived career at Apple had gone differently, he would be holding a different kind of winnings, 10% of Apple's stock. Today, Apple is worth over $100 billion, and Wayne left it a number of years ago for only 2300 Somebody asked him about that, and he said, what can I say? Everybody listened to the, his response. They asked him how he feels now that he left untold, the promise of untold millions of dollars, accepted $2,300, and somebody said, how do you feel about it? He said, what can I say? You make a decision. This applies to everyone here today. You make a decision based on your understanding of the circumstances 
and you live with it. There's a lot of folks I know today. There's a lot of people that I know today, especially being born and raised in Baton Rouge. There's a lot of people that I know that walked out on Jesus and shortchanged themselves so badly. But they did it based on a decision, based on they made a decision based on their understanding of the circumstances at the time. I have a very interesting dilemma that's been going on in my mind for the past number of months. It's in reference to someone that I know that I'm very close to that walked out of church for the last time in the late 1960s. So when you want to talk to that person about coming back to church, it's hard to explain and describe the church environment, the church culture now compared to then. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? I've known of people that has had to be away from church, out of town, and this sort of thing, for whatever reason, for a month or so. And when they come back to church, it takes them a service or two to transition back in, just being gone that short amount of time. But I want to say to somebody today, Ron Wayne left Apple when it was still in a garage. When it was only two or three people, Steve Jobs and another guy that I'll talk about him in a minute, were really the only people involved. Computers were relatively new back then. And he couldn't see the promise. He was about 20 years older than his two partners. And he had been burned a time or two from a previous business dealing. And he said he just didn't want to risk it again. So based on his knowledge and experience of what he had to deal with, they bought him out in total for $2,300. He could be a multi-millionaire today, but who knew? There's people that I know by the scores that walked out on God because the church back then wasn't quite what they wanted it to be or what they expected it to be. The hardship with people who have brushed up against a relationship with God, a relationship with the church, and it went sour, whether it be on a ministry level or a layman level. People, they get hurt. That hurt turns into bitterness and what have you. And they can't see at that moment that the church they're leaving will not stay that way forever. The church dynamic and the church landscape is continually changing. The Word of God does it. The message does it. Jesus does it. But people do. I can promise you the church that we came to 25 years ago that church as it existed back then doesn't even remotely exist now. So if you decided back then 25 years ago that I'm not going to pursue a relationship with God 
based on the condition of the church as it was then, look what you would have missed. So I want to present to somebody here today, the Ron Waynes that may be here today, that now is a great time. If you're looking for a path forward to get back in church, You've been gone for some period of time and you're looking for a path forward to get back into church. You don't have a better time than right now. I can't vouch for everybody, but I can tell you this. Grace Church has never been better than it is right now. And it keeps getting better. So if you want to get involved, if you want to make a way back to God, if you want to get your heart right with God, let me present to you today, welcome home, man. You're at the right place at the right time. This ain't no garage thing. And a message I preached a number of years ago, we ain't 70 anymore either. The church is growing. People are growing. And God has opened the windows of heaven. So if you want to get on board, now's the time. Everybody clap your hands and shout, yes! <clears throat> Wayne's tenure at Apple began on April the 1st, 1976. That would be a little over 40 years ago. His name is on the legal document that established Apple. He is standing with Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, the Silicon Valley giants most people associate with the popular tech company, which makes the iPhone and the iPad. Jobs and Wayne had become friends a few years earlier while both were working for the Atari Corporation. As Wayne tells it, Jobs asked for his help in drafting documents and mediating a dispute between Jobs and Wozniak. He also drafted the company's first logo, an operating manual. For this work, Wayne was awarded a 10% stake in Apple. What Jobs had in mind was that he and Woz, or Wozniak, as Woz as he is sometimes called, should each have 45% and I would have had 10% as a mediator in any dispute that came up between the two of them, is what Wayne had to say. Apple has definitely come a long ways since its original logo inception. And Steve Wozniak's autobiography, excuse me, named I Was, he described Wayne as one of those people who seemed to have a quick answer for everything. He seemed to know all things that we didn't. Ron ended up playing a huge role in those very early days at Apple. But Wayne had early misgivings. He had been unsuccessful in starting a slot machine manufacturing business. He had racked up several thousand dollars in debt. And with Apple, he was concerned that history would repeat itself. He said, I could see myself getting into this situation again. And I was really getting too old for that kind of thing. Eleven days after Apple was formed, Wayne removed himself and was given $2,300. And he let go of that valuable Apple stock, which would have left him a multi-millionaire or even billionaire 
today had he stayed with the company. Obviously, Wayne didn't have the foresight to know what Apple would become. Like any company in the very early stages, there's a risk associated. And you've got to be willing to take it or not. Wayne, whose net worth is mostly tied up in his extensive coin and stamp collection, says he's enamored with money as much as anybody else. But when you're at a focal point of history, when you're at a focal point of history, you don't realize that you're at a focal point in history. So you just want to say, and you can't because it's not appropriate. What's the matter with you, Ron Wayne? Were you asleep or something, man? I mean, were you in a coma? Didn't you realize what you were walking away from? Man, you missed an amazing opportunity. I want to present to Grace Church today, just based off of the fact that I'm trying to be a visionary man as much as possible, And I understand that life's not perfect on any level. I don't know of marriages that are perfect. I don't know of kids that are perfect. I don't know of a church that's perfect. I don't know of a pastor that's perfect. It seems like everyone expects it out of churches and pastors, but there's not any. But still, with all the the imperfections of the church and the short misgivings of pastors and what have you, I still feel compelled strongly today, I believe by the Holy Ghost, to tell somebody, I don't know why you walked away from God. I don't know why you quit going to church when you did. But perhaps there was some sleepiness involved in it. You were not as cognizant as maybe you should have been. Maybe you didn't realize at that point totally what you were walking away from. But I'm here to tell you today, in God's economy, I don't know that Ron Wayne could get back on board with Apple and then make him a millionaire overnight. But God does. When you want to come back to God's family, when you want to get back into God's kingdom, he don't have all these stipulations and legalities and attorneys and documents and all that. He just says, come on, buddy. We can pick up where you left off. I don't hold anything against you. I'll erase your past. I'll terminate every sin and every transgression. Come on, somebody. I need for somebody to get with me here this morning. I'm trying to tell somebody, if you're a little sleepy this morning, let me wake you up. Because now there's not a better time than to get right with God and to get back in the church and be what God wants you to be. Oh, yes. How many would agree that sleep, now that you're at my age especially, sleep is a wonderful thing when it happens. I don't know what happened this past Friday night. I was tired. Sister Murphy and I got into bed about 1230, 1 o'clock, and I did not sleep one minute. Not one. I was awake all night long. So needless to say, I went to bed pretty early last night, and I did sleep all night long last night. But I'm still feeling a little wobbly because of that. It's going to take me a day or two to get caught up. But sleep when it happens. 
is wonderful and it's peaceful. It's relaxing and it's restful. But sleeping at the wrong time has its severe consequences. The National Sleep Foundation reports that 43% of adults say they are so sleepy during the day that it interferes with their daily activities at least a few days a month, 43%. This can especially be hazardous when you're traveling, driving down the road. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration estimates that fatigued drivers contribute to 100,000 highway crashes in the United States on a yearly basis, causing 71,000 in- injuries and 1,500 death- deaths just because you're sleepy. One reason that driving drowsy is such a danger is that it's difficult to stop yourself from nodding off when you haven't slept enough. While you may feel that you can force yourself to stay awake, you can still easily doze off without even realizing it. And when you're driving, closing your eyes for even a second can be disastrous. When we were evangelizing years ago, we pulled a 30-foot travel trailer, did that for about three years, three and a half years. And um, I used to play jokes on Sister Murphy. Of course, I'm driving. Some of you won't be able to see what I'm about to do. I'll open my eyes as wide as I can. But while I'm driving, she's sitting over here, of course, I would close this eye. And she would look over at me. Wake up! I wasn't sleeping. I was just having a good time at the moment in my own weird little way. There's church people that I think sometimes are sleeping, but they're just playing a trick on me. But there's other people here this morning, spiritually speaking, you're sound asleep in a blissful, peaceful, restful sleep. But while you have slept, the consequences of your sleeping have been disastrous. Did you know at 55 miles an hour you can travel more than 100 yards in five seconds? That can mean a whole lot of disaster. It's the length of a football field in five seconds. Just to close your eyes for a moment. Although sleep is a natural process, Scripture uses sleep as a spiritual symbol of death and as a negative symbol of laziness. Scripture uses sleep as a spiritual symbol of death and a negative symbol of laziness. In other words, spiritual sleep is even much more dangerous spiritually than when you're dozing off in a moving vehicle because you endanger your life, your soul, your eternity, your relationship with God, the devastation it has on your family. There's a number of people here today that have backslidden relatives, a spouse that refuses to go to church because they were hurt or burned or got caught up in a moment of confusion. 
There's families here today whose kids will not come to church with them. It happened while somebody was sleepy spiritually and the consequences have been devastating and long-lasting. I'm preaching today the peril of a sleepy church. God help us today not to leave in our past a wake of people who demise came upon them as a byproduct of our sleepiness. People's relationship with God here at Grace Church matters to me. Their spirituality matters to me. And we don't treat one another casually or indifferent or make terrible comments. Social media is not designed for Grace Church to use it as a pulpit for pot shots and backhanded comments. We want to be Christian people here at Grace Church. And we want somehow for our community like the Junes at State Farm that know us well enough even though she's not a Pentecostal and she'll say it herself she said if you're looking for a church I know of one that's current that'll minister to you that'll help you I know people that go there and they're happy and they're contented I want to appeal to someone today there's no time like the present to get back your relationship with God churches can fall asleep at the wheel if they're not constantly vigilant. Pastors can fall asleep at the wheel if we're not vigilant. There are so many influences in our society that can contribute to spiritual drowsiness. The lullaby of hell is, does it really matter? Does it really matter? Jesus said in Luke 22, Why sleep ye, he said to his disciples, Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. The wise man in Proverbs said, He that gathereth in summer is a wise man, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. Horrible consequences are incurred when we fall asleep in our relationship with God. Jesus told a parable in Matthew and said, While men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. He went on to say in Matthew 24, But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be you also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. He said in Matthew 25, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. One of the most unusual stories is found in the book of Acts. There's a lot of stories that are recorded in the Scripture And oftentimes there's a man or woman's name attached to it. People has oftentimes said, I wish I'd have lived during Bible times. Not me. I'd been terrified that God would have said, I want that guy in the Bible. (laughs) Put Glenn Murphy in there and let's write about all of his stuff. You talk about embarrassing. So when you read all of these stories in the Bible, especially... Those who has a name attached to it. 
I ponder sometimes why God said, I want this story in my book. Acts 20, verses 7 through 12, I think is a great example of this. The Bible said, Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Hey, one person in the house caught it, and I heard it right over here. You know how I try to bank minutes on Wednesday night when I dismiss early? Paul didn't do that. He started preaching, I assume, that morning and preached till after midnight that night. If I ever do that, I want everybody here to understand it's biblical. <laughs> everybody to understand that. I've got Bible to preach to midnight tonight. But I have a feeling with this bunch... I'd be here by myself by the time midnight came. I would be he that is beating the air. But the Bible said upon the first day of the week, Paul, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow. And he continued preaching until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber, wherever they were preaching. There were many lights, so the lights was on. And there were people that were still there listening to Paul preach. And they're set in a window up on the second floor up in the balcony. They set in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep as Paul was not long-winded. It's not what it says. He was a long time preaching. I don't know where this long-winded. That's not biblical. I'm just saying. Y'all didn't think that was as funny as the other one. But as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing said, embracing him said, Trouble not yourself, for there's still life in him. Hallelujah to God. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten, and then he talked for a long while, even till the break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive, and there were not a little comforted. I want to have you understand today. You may have fallen asleep at some point in your past spiritually. There's a number of folks here this morning. I'm knowing the congregation here today fairly well. But there's a number of folks here today that fell asleep in your relationship with God at some point. You fell out of a church window. And there were people there that no doubt wanted to help you. There was a well-intended saint. There was a pastor with good motives. But you didn't want to be helped. I'm encouraged that when the man fell out of the window... Paul stopped his preaching and ran outside and grabbed a hold of the man. The Bible said he embraced him and through a kind, caring embrace turned around and said, there's still life in him. 
I'm preaching to somebody here today. You're being loved on right now by Grace Church. Yes, you are. You're being loved on right now. And we're trying to handle you very carefully. But I'm here to tell you, there's still life in you. There's still hope. There's still promise. There's still potential. There's still character left. There's still a future left. There's a way to come back. And if you want to come back, the church is never better than it is now. You can come on back and get involved with the people again and let God minister in your life again. So, where the church ain't the same as when you left it, neither is Apple the same when Ron Wayne left it. In this case, the church has only gotten better. I don't know about every other church, but in this case, the church has gotten better. It has more value now than it's ever had. It has more purpose than it's ever had. It's got a greater future now than it's ever had. For however long that future is going to be, and only God knows the answer to that question. But Jesus said, if the man of the house knew the hour that the thief would come, he would be waiting, and he'd be ready. Maybe somebody important fell asleep in your life, and they weren't, weren't all they should be when you fell out of the church window. Maybe you wasn't loved on enough. Maybe nobody called you. I hear it oftentimes from people who once served God but now does not. They say, I never hear from anybody at that church. Somebody said that recently and it just struck a chord in me that nobody ever calls, nobody ever checks. Oftentimes when people have that kind of a situation happen to them, there's people that are not really, there's people around they really don't know what to do. If they called you, they wouldn't know what to say. And for most people who once served God but now doesn't, from anybody calling them from the church, it's pestering and it's annoying. But there's people here today, I believe with all of my heart, that would love to make a comeback in your relationship with God. You're afraid and you really don't know how. You fell out of a window, figuratively speaking, a long time ago. But I can promise you here today that Grace Church and even pastor to the best of my ability and as much as I can we'd like to embrace you right now and testify to the congregation there's still life there's still life there's still hope I find it interesting in the Bible there's another story this one should be in the Bible it's called the Mount of Transfiguration. It's where God manifested his glory through the body of Christ. The Bible said his body went transparent and they saw no man save Jesus only. I believe they saw no man save God only. But the disciples, the three of them that were invited, Jesus didn't invite everybody. He didn't invite all the twelve. He only took three. Three of the ones that perhaps he was the most hopeful would get the point. But even at that, the Bible said they were so weary 
from the long climb up the mountain. The Bible said in Luke chapter 9, But Peter and they were that, were that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. I can tell you of a surety here today that there's a lot of people here in Grace Church on our ministry staff, our leadership team. We're not sleeping. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sleepy when it comes to spiritual things. Dozing off in the past few days and weeks hasn't been a problem that I've had. I feel like I've been awake more this year than I have in the past two years. And we have begun this year to see His glory. It started off a couple of weeks ago, and I'll tell the story again of Tanya Coley's father-in-law. I'm still mesmerized by that. They're not Pentecostal. They're not apostolic. They have a religious faith, I understand, but it's, it's not apostolic, and, and that's okay for the context of what I'm about to say. But they came for our Christmas service last year. And with his permission, we just slipped back down the aisle about where Vic and Evie are sitting. Got a little bottle of oil and touched his forehead with oil and prayed a very simple prayer. This man was diagnosed with cancer that was far along, far along. Went through surgery a couple of weeks later. They removed an extensive part of his body, sent it to the lab. And when the lab did their research, they found nothing. Zero cancer in that man's body. That's when I feel like I'm on the Mount of Transfiguration. I don't have anything to do with it. I'm just standing there. I'm just a witness to this amazing move of God. This amazing miracle. And I could promise you I could stand here today and tell you story after story of when Jesus manifested himself. I see Brother Billy in the back. Thank you for being here. But Billy and Michelle and Dale and Kakandis can tell you about a moment of glory that happened in their life. Are the twins here this morning? Have them stand. Are they awake? Stand up. Are they, they're sleeping? Okay. How old are they? Five? Seven? Wow, time flies. One of them wasn't supposed to be here during pregnancy. That's documented. Sonogram showed she had two, lost one. The doctor said she'd probably lose the other. But we experienced a moment of glory. And when she finally delivered, there were two babies that was born of her, and they're both of them here this morning. A boy and a girl, just like God promised their grandfather. I could stand here a long time and tell you one miracle right after another where I was awake to see his glory. Nobody had to wake me up. I was expecting it. I was desiring it. And I want somebody here today to know that if you want to come back, you're coming back. And a moment of glory when God is manifesting himself. Even in this hour when there's so much tumult going on in our world today, God is still manifesting himself. And there's parts of our country and our churches that are having these moments of indescribable, majestic power and glory manifested 
in their midst. And it doesn't show any sign of stopping here anytime soon. I want to tell somebody, you're on the Mount of Transfiguration right now. But if you're sleeping, it's okay to wake up. Because when you awake, you're going to be in the presence of God Himself. Wanting to reach for your heart, your soul, your family, your life, your future, your everything. He's here today in all of His glory. If you'll stand with me. If you're not careful and alert... We can climb for many years and then fall asleep just before the greatest manifestation of God's glory that the world has ever seen. Not every individual will be involved in the end time. Not every family, not every pastor, not every church, not every organization will be involved in the end time revival. And this last day's manifestation of God, it's entirely up to you and me. Sleeping saints can be dangerous in a prayer room, in a Sunday school room, on a praise team, as a musician, as a serve team leader, as a teenager, as a young married couple. Drowsy pastors can be dangerous in the pulpit. But if we can snap out of our slumber, And there's people here today. You've thought about it for a long time. I believe there's somebody here that's ready to see His glory again. I want to see His glory. I want to see His glory. I'm going to ask Grace Church to pray with me right now just for a moment, and then we're going to open up the front of the building. But just for a moment, everybody join with me right now. Everybody pray. Everybody, we're not looking around. We're praying right now. Everybody, this is, there's eternity attached to this service right now for somebody. And we need to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know who's here today better than anyone else. But more than that, you know the desires and the intent of the heart. And the word of God has gone forth. And we don't want to be a sleepy church right now because we understand the peril of it. There's people here today that I'm aware of, that I know in my spirit. I discern it in my spirit. There's at least two people here today. There's a man and there's a lady here today. They want to make a comeback, but I'm just not sure how to do it. I want them to know, God, if they do, it's been a long climb back up to the top of the mountain. But they're not coming back to a drowsy, sleeping church. They're coming back to a church that's on the top of its own Mount Transfiguration, where we're seeing the manifest glory and power power and splendor and majesty of almighty God. I pray in the name of Jesus God that you would move right now. The Holy Ghost would have his way. Yea, I say unto thee, I am drawing you with my spirit. My coming is imminent. It's not much longer until all will see me in the clouds. But I've come to you today to embrace you, to love you. I haven't come to condemn and to cast you aside, I've not come to judge. I've come to present to you my blood and my amazing divine ability. 
to forgive every transgression, to forgive attitude, to forgive conduct. I will receive you just like you are. If you will lift your face, heart, and hands towards me, I will meet you where you are. I will gently take you by your hand. I will hold you into a gentle embrace. And I will bring you back into my kingdom. All you need to do is reach back to me and say, forgive me and I will forgive you. I will hold nothing against you. I will not remind you of your past. I will receive you, saith the Lord, come unto me. While they sing, God's given them an altar call here today. And I'm going to invite everybody, all the church, everybody, everybody in the house. Everybody in the house, if you'll come forward. And if you can, bring somebody with you. Everybody's welcomed at the front. We're not going to embarrass anybody. We don't put anybody on the spot. We just want you to come and experience the presence of the Lord. Would you come? Everybody here today, would you come? I believe God wants to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost here today. I believe God wants to refill somebody with the Holy Ghost here today. Let God have His way in your life. Now is a great time. There's not a better time to re-embrace your relationship with God. Come on, Grace Church, help me today. Everybody help me today. This is a God moment for somebody. This is a God moment for somebody. Yes, it is. You come and open your heart today to the Lord and see what happens. He'll take the burdens you carry. He'll work with you with the confusion in your life. Somebody let him have his way. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's right. Everybody talk to the Lord. Everybody talk to the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody's about to feel the presence of the Lord. You're about to be enveloped with the presence of the Lord. Let Him have His way when it happens. Let Him have His way when it happens. Open your mouth and let your mouth speak a language you've never spoke before. Come on, somebody. Go ahead. That's right. That's right. You can do this. Come on, Grace Church. Come on, Grace Church. Help me pray. Everybody pray. Everybody pray. Everybody pray. pray.